my name is Julie Turney, and this is the HR Sound Off Podcast Show, the show created for HR and business professionals to discuss pertinent topics and trends as it relates to our professions. We're going to have amazing conversations with HR professionals from all over the world, get to learn their origin stories. How did they get into this profession? What do they love about being here? And how they want to set the record straight on that one misconception that really drives them crazy about our profession. Are you ready? I'm ready. Then let's sound off. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the HR Sound Off podcast show. My name is Julie Turney, and I am your host. How are you doing today, beautiful HR people? I hope you're having a great day wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast show. And today, I have such a wonderful treat for you. Today, we're talking to Cheryl DeSantis, who is the Chief People and Diversity Officer at SMILE. Now, as HR professionals, how often do we smile? (laughs) Cheryl has a big smile on her face right now. But it is one of those things that that a lot of times when we're working, we may struggle with. But I'm sure we're going to make you smile today. Cheryl, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be here, Julie, for uh, on behalf of Smile Direct Club, and I'm excited to uh, have a conversation with you. Wonderful. So why don't you get the ball rolling by telling us a little bit about who is Cheryl DeSantis and what is your HR story? How did you get here? Yes. Well, I am a mother of three daughters. I've got also got two dogs. I live here in Nashville. Um, I grew up an athlete, so I played uh, a college sport at the University of Virginia and uh, athletics was always very important to me and continues to be so. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think about my HR journey, I brought up the athletics because it is very tied to that, which is I was uh, in the PR communication marketing arena and I was approached to join HR on the communication side. And I so started to get my toe wet in that. And then they asked me to join and be an HR practitioner, you know, a generalist. And I, as I looked at it, I thought, the one thing I miss in my career is being able to coach and develop people and help a team win. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was doing it with my own team. But when I looked at the HR role, it was like an opportunity to do that across an organization and amplify that impact. And, and that's what really got me to, to make that change over into HR. And I haven't looked back. Wow. That's an amazing story. And I'm glad I love the way how you tied it to your sports coming up in sports, because it's true as you build teams in sports and you're building and you're talking about teamwork and stuff like that, you really do benefit from that experience as you enter your HR career. Yes. So what's your preference as an HR generalist? Um, What's your preference? What do you love about HR? What gets you jazzed up? Well, I love helping teams thrive. So that's first and foremost. But I love the days where I get to coach someone. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's not just an executive or a peer. Like I love, I tell my team, I love when my team books 30 minutes on my calendar or or someone from the organization and says, I'm struggling with this issue. Can you help me? Yeah. And it's it's helping them with their own personal development. Mm-hmm. And uh and I, I so I love the coaching side of the HR role. I also love 
the organizational development side. So mm-hmm. um, at Smile Direct Club, we don't call it HR. We call it people and organization right. because I believe the OD aspect of it is really fun. Yes. It's really fun to help uh, shape and create the future of a, a function. Beautiful. I love that you talk about the coaching mindset because I think a lot of HR professionals struggle with developing that. Um, because mm-hmm. they're stuck so much in the admin side of HR. You think about that HR iceberg and all the wonderful stuff that could happen at the bottom, but you're stuck at the top just doing the, yeah. the surface stuff. What advice would you give to HR professionals who are struggling with that and developing how they can develop a coaching mindset? Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost is giving yourself the permission to say, I can help this person. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes in HR, we think, well, that person's more senior than me. They may know more. Um, And that's not true. Um, You know, intelligence is is randomly distributed (laughs) and it doesn't always matter your level. And so Mm -hmm. I think giving yourself permission to say, I can add some value to that person's life. I think that's first. I think on the second side is developing your active listening skills. Good coaching is really just active listening Mm -hmm. and then helping the person get to the outcome themselves. And so I would say those two things. Beautiful. I love those. Active listening, I think, is so important across every level, but especially in HR, because people need to know that you, you hear them and you see them and you're not just passing them at a glance. And because we can be so busy, it's very easy to do that, but really yeah. listening to help. And I think the nuance there is as humans, most of the time we listen to respond. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, you know, like right now I'm listening to respond, but when, but when you're coaching, you really need to listen to understand and to kind of let that person work through it. So it's just a slightly different muscle than we normally do when we're just interacting with someone. Yes, definitely. And when it comes to organizational development, what advice do you have or tips do you have for HR professionals who are struggling with that? Because again, it is something that's not easily developed. Yeah. What would you give in terms of tips? It is one of those uh, can be somewhat uh, harder areas for people yeah. to get into. And, and the mistake I see sometimes is everybody wants to go straight to names and boxes. But the tip I have is, it, it starts with a series of questions. Uh, and if you can learn to ask the right questions, like what are you trying to achieve? What capabilities are you trying to, uh, to build? Mm-hmm. And, and how can we, how can the structure serve the business goals? You know, yeah. what, what, how do we contribute to that? So as HR practitioners, just learning how to ask those right questions in the beginning, mm-hmm. then you can free yourself up to do boxes and titles and, and things like that. So it's like delaying that part of it until you really get the, um, what are we trying to accomplish here done? Beautiful. And I know I didn't ask before, but I will would love for you to just share with, with the audience a little bit about Smile Direct. What do you do? What does the Smile yes. Direct Club do? Yes. Well, uh, at, at Smile Direct Club, uh, we are changing the dynamic with the orthodontic space. So, you know, the orthodontic industry is 120 years old and it's always been the same way. And, and we're looking to make it a more, to make access to affordable teeth straightening. Uh, for everyone to making it affordable and accessible. And so we do clear aligner therapy to straighten your teeth. We also have whitening and a variety of oral care 
products. So we're looking to really become the premium oral care company. Um, but our, our goal is to open up access. Um, did you know that 60% of at least Americans don't have access to an, an orthodontist in their county? Um, and many of those can't afford it. Wow. And so it's opening up the power of confidence through a smile to all. That is beautiful. And again, you've clearly shown us as HR professionals why it's important to know the business of the business. Yes, that's exactly I love that. I love that. Cheryl, I also know that you're an author. Yes, I just wrote a book. It's called uh, Steel Backbone, Soft Heart, and it's on heart-centered leadership. And I have a, I have a mission to try to move more organizations to see that actually heart-centered leadership or putting people's first uh, empathy, vulnerability, compassion will actually drive more connectivity, more belonging, um, and more delivery for businesses. And so I really want to teach people the 10 principles of heart-centered leadership, which is the basis of my book. That is absolutely beautiful. Where can people get your book? It's on Amazon right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is just launching. Uh, we have a soft launch going on, but it's there. Nice. I also have a website, uh, CherylDeSantis.com, where you can learn more about it if you want to check it out first before you go wonderful, to Wonderful, wonderful. Heart-centered leadership. I think Claude Silva will be somewhere applauding in the background because she tr- that's something that she truly advocates for as well. And I think that a lot of people seem to think that heart-centered leadership is mushy. Like yes. Leaders don't take this thing seriously. This is mushy stuff. We're not about this. Why do you think it's so important for leaders to make this shift? Yeah, I know. I've been accused when I've talked about it of, um, oh, that's the soft HR stuff. And it's really not. I mean, I think if you look at what we, I mean, I believed in this before the pandemic, but if you look at what we went through with the pandemic was really rediscovering people's humanity and connecting it with it. That coupled with the great resignation where you saw people leaving in droves because they wanted to go to a role where they had meaning in their life and where they felt valued and respected. Mm-hmm. And I think it shouldn't take those two big, you know, macro factors for mm-hmm. us to realize that that we are all humans and that we need to be able, valued and respected for our whole selves. Yeah. And as leaders, we need to take the time to connect to people, not just drive them for results. Because then when when times go bad, people are going to leave you yeah. because they're not connected with you. No. So for me, heart-centered leadership drives belonging. And yeah. I really do think belonging is the key to engagement, retention, and productivity. Mm-hmm. I believe you. And I support that 100%. And whenever I hear someone say, oh, that's just the mushy stuff. We're not, that's not, we need to focus on the business. We want to drive results. But how do you do that if you don't show your people that you care about them, that yeah. they do belong? Then you'll always have attrition issues. Yeah. You'll and with this have performance I- issues. Yep. I'm sorry. You will. And I always say leaders go first because there is a real act of uh, vulnerability when you are connecting at the heart with someone, right? You have to hold the space for them to feel safe Mm -hmm. um, and to feel that there's this two-way exchange. And so I think leaders really learning these principles and putting them into practice will help open that up for others. And then they can be a role model to their peers Mm -hmm. as well. And, And once you get into that space, I used to be very armored up um, it was kind of Brene Brown who uh, transformed my life like so many others. Yes. And I realized that actually when I share my struggles, when I'm vulnerable, when I connect to people's hearts through their their families and what's going on in their lives, mm-hmm. I actually had much more followership than mm-hmm. I ever did before when I was just trying to drive a vision and a strategy and all the, 
you know, the, 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 the numbers thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing what it takes to transform the way you look at your life and then how you look at HR. Mm-hmm. It really changes your perspective when you think about leading with your heart versus yes. trying to just drive results when you're looking to create culture and that you recognize it starts with everyone, but that little ripple effect that is created from you changing how you look at people and how you hold space for people makes all all the difference in the world. So I'm so glad that you wrote this book. Uh, Thank you. It's, um, it's, it tells a little bit about my life story too, and how I came about this, because like I said earlier, I couldn't have been a more armored up yeah. A person. And so it does take, I do, you do have to, you know, I always heard some leaders say, you know, um, sometimes you have to leave your home life at the door or yep. whatever. And it's like, you can't do that. Yeah. I mean, your, your brain is not wired just to turn that part off. Exactly. And so knowing the whole person and being able to bring your, your values and who you are and your, your family situation, it's so, it's so important to people. I mean, Businesses are not a family. I know lots of people like to say that. However, you do spend most of your time there. And that is where you're connecting with people and they're seeing your thoughts and reactions. And so you do need to learn how to connect somewhat in that way. Exactly. I remember once listening to listening to a talk by Simon Sinek. And he talked Mm. about this, the difference between family and an organization and community. Mm-hmm. And I love what he said about how in an organization, think of yourself as building a community, people with shared beliefs, shared values, and that you're trying to work towards a common goal versus being a family, which can be a little scary and sound a little weird, right? People yeah. get a red flag when they hear, oh, we're a family here. That's a red flag. Yeah. No, yeah. versus we're a community and we have a shared value, shared goals. We're trying to achieve something really amazing here. We're going to agree to disagree, but your voice will be heard and you have the, the opportunity to create and innovate and we will hear and it's a safe space. Completely different, yes. completely different way of looking at how we do those things and how we create belonging in an organization. It's really important. And I know my team right now is really focused on this because we had announced last year that we were uh, a virtual um, organization for headquarters. Of course, we have offices. So if people want to come in, so I guess we're technically a hybrid, but it's these moments that matter, you know, and, and, and where do you drive that sense of community and how do you, how do you plug into it when it's meaningful, but then how do you give people the flexibility that they want post pandemic, you know, it really isn't, it's, it's kind of where I'm spending my, my time right now. Like I'm, I'm reading a book called the power of moments by Chip Heath and Dan Heath. And it really talks about how you can have this magical experience. You know, it can be a short, but it creates this lasting impact. And I think as HR practitioners, if you are hybrid or, or, you know, that's, that's our challenge right now is what are those moments and how do we how do we really embed them so that they can happen organically, um, but that we can leverage that for um, culture, you know, and yes. how we drive our culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Cheryl. No so I was going to ask you what you're reading, watching, listening to right now that you think our audience would appreciate. So you've given us one book. Yes, I gave you that. I think one of the things um, 
I'm watching is in that same uh, vein. There's a, a woman named Priya Parker. Uh, she's pretty famous, but she she talks about the art of gathering. Mm. Um, and uh, she's got a TED talk and, and some other things. And um, I, I reconnected with her TED talk yesterday yeah. um, because we are working on that. We're working on the future of work right now. It's one yeah. of our initiatives at, at SDC. And there's something in this act of gathering and community that you just touched on that I'm like, how can we, how can we bring that about? And how yes. can we make sure that that's alive and well in this new um, way of working? Cause mm-hmm. I, I know some organizations are forcing people back. I just don't think that's where people want to be. And no. I think they're beyond no. that. So. No, you know. They'll continue to have problems and smile direct club will continue to thrive and grow. Yes. Listening to your people. Yes, we are listening to people and kind of watching the market, you know, and, and, and when, when you value talent like we do, you know, you will let them live and work mm-hmm. what, what is the most engaging and inspiring for them, because then yes. you're going to get more out of, of your people, right? Exactly. Again, it's all in the equation of feeling valued and respected, which was the underlying part of our decision. Absolutely. I got to say amen to that. <laughs> give a kind of high five there <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> so if you were giving advice to your younger self entering into the HR space for the first time what advice would you give your younger self yeah I think um the advice I would give myself is just don't get get too comfortable with the status quo and don't be afraid to shake up the status quo mm-hmm. you know I think in the beginning of my career I was I was listening and learning, but there were some things I just took as, well, that's just the way we do things around here. Oh, that's a sacred cow or, you know, but as I've developed my career and taken on those things, um, it's been really rewarding, you know? Mm -hmm. So now, now I tell my teams, I I want you to have a healthy dissatisfaction with the status quo, Mm -hmm. because then we can continue to innovate and, and, and get better. We, we have a value called better is better which is always trying to improve things, even if it is just a game of inches. Yes. And so, uh, so I wish I would have known that, you know, kind of perturb the system a little bit, shake things up, mm-hmm. push for some things that are, that are better. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my advice to my younger self. self. I love that. I love that very much. I think it's important for us to push the status quo and I call it being constructively discontent. Mm, I like that too. Might steal that. (laughs) (laughs) Be constructively discontent with yourself, you know, not in a way that it'll drive you crazy, but in a way that you'll always look at it and go, that does look good, but could we make that experience a little bit better? And just in smaller increments with minimum risk, how do we make this better? If I think about my cell phone and how often I get an update, as much as it annoys me, they're looking for ways to make my experience on my phone better. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's true. You know, I never and, thought about it that way. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And so for the, for our people, how do we do the same thing, you know, without in your face and long drawn out processes, how do we make things better for people? Just then, hmm, we could make that experience a little bit better. Let's, let's try this. Yeah, that's why I love our value on better is better because what it does is it creates a continuous improvement mindset. Yes. Which is really the capability that you're trying to build mm-hmm. with the healthy dissatisfaction or, you know, um, and, and moving forward. And uh, I do think that that keeps your brain engaged and it, it keeps you looking at a process or an experience like a customer. Yes. Like that's another kind of SDC principle is you know, how do we look at everything as if we're going through it the first time? Because mm-hmm. you always find something. Yeah. You know, there's always something that you always go. Always hmm. something. 
Yeah. Always something. This is such a great conversation. As a, as a busy professional looking and taking care of your people, how do you find time to take care of yourself? What do you mm. do that feeds your soul that's just all about Cheryl? Mm, great question. Um, I love it so much because uh, I remember uh, I went to go get a physical and my physician said, uh, at your level and at your job, you're taking in so much um, stress. How are you exporting it? And at the time I was like, I'm really not exporting it. And it was a real call to action for me where I was like, I need to find ways to just take an out breath. So now I, um, I walk three miles every morning, uh, sometimes with my dogs, if they're ready, <laughs> um, but I, I take that time either with them or with music and just start my day off kind of very grounded. Um, mm-hmm. I've gotten myself back into yoga because I'm so not flexible and anything that I have to just focus on <laughs> the moves and I, and my busy monkey brain can't think of anything else mm-hmm. during that time. And that, that time to turn off my brain is the best because it's always going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. always going. So those, always. those two things really are kind of a rituals for me now. Nice. nice. I love that. I, I laughed because it, when you said not, you're so not flexible is a conversation yeah. I had just yesterday with my trainer. I was saying, I am so not flexible. Just simple things like I like lapping my legs, standing up to stretch. Like that's, a, oh, yeah. I, ca- I have to hold on to something to do that. So she was like, oh yeah, we definitely need to put some more flexibility um, training in your workouts. I was like, okay, please let's do that. Cause I need, oh, yeah. to, I need to be flexible. I mean, I'm right there my- with you. I'm right there with you. When I'm sitting down and they go lean over and touch your toes, I'm like, can I bend my knee? Because I can't touch my toes. And that's the weird thing. I can do that, but I just can't cross my leg. <laughs> the weirdest thing. Weirdest we, we all thing. Oh man. Yes. You know, I, I think, you know, when you asked what I would tell my younger self, my HR self, yes. what I would tell my younger, younger self just in general is, is that, you know, perfection is overrated and we all try to be perfect. We all think, okay, I have to be the perfect yogi or I have to be the yeah. perfect HR practitioner, but none of us are perfect. And, 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 uh, and it's the beauty of the imperfection that makes your life richer, makes your development happen and, uh, and makes you just a more approachable, relatable person, you yes. know? And so I think releasing that need to be perfect for anybody in, in their career, if you have that would be good advice. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So the big question, the last question. Okay. What's the biggest misconception about HR that really bothers you that you want to set the record straight on right here, right now? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I know many of us are beyond this, but I still hear people say, you know, like, you know, you guys are the ones that are just, you know, you're the admin people, you're hiring people, you're firing people, you know, you're, you're the administrative function and, and, and you may not be able to add value in this topic because Mm -hmm. of, of where you are. It's like, we are full on business people. We're coaching and developing your people. Um, we have to know the business strategy to have to set, to have to set performance goals for the whole business. And so I think it's the age old, you know, that, that you're, you're just there to represent the people function and yeah. that you can't contribute to other areas. Other areas. You know? um, I totally so, agree with that. Yeah. I totally and agree I, with that. 
I like our model. I mean, and it was the model at the company where I was before, where mm-hmm. the CFO and the uh, the VP of HR or CPO or wh- whatever you want to call it, they were the right and left hand of the, the senior executive there. And yeah. uh, and then you know you've got kind of the balanced view there on on how to take a decision, and and that's the model we support at Smile Direct Club, and that's the one that I want to see more people too, versus the HR person just yeah. being called in if there's something people related. I agree with you 1000%. That's the model I want to see. Yeah. And yeah. as you rightly said, so many times I go back to that iceberg um, of you see just the admin at the top. That's all people see. Hire, fire, pay people. That's all mm-hmm. people see. But there's so much happening at the bottom from an analytical aspect, organizational development aspect, performance management aspect, talent management. They're not the same thing. There's so many different things. And a lot of times when I ask HR professionals, how many of you actually get to touch the sexy stuff at the bottom? That's what I call it. Like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because trust, I believe HR is sexy. It's, yeah. it's super cool. And there's so much we could be doing with with our people information to tell our people stories. And a lot of times our HR people are not getting down into that. So when you have the opportunity to do that, share that and encourage other HR professionals to get in the bottom of that stuff, Mm -hmm. really get down in there so you could tell good people stories and help your organization to really thrive and grow, putting their hearts at first and leading with vulnerability and leading with heart it's a game changer. Absolute it, game changer. It is a game changer. I hate when people say, oh, you're a support function. You know, we're going to focus on the operating side of the business. And it's like, no, we also focus on the operating side of the business because here's the truth. We all want to have great customer experience and customer relationships. Yeah. You know, that happens through people. So the intentionality of how we focus, develop our people is a one-to-one impact on how our people impact our customers, yeah. you know, and, and how they make the right decisions on the customer experience or the marketing or the technology needed to mm-hmm. make that experience better. And so we are on the front line of making sure that people feel valued and respected because then they're going to turn around and do that to our customers. Absolutely. You know, and I so it's really, believe it. I truly believe that HR, not just the first responders of your organization, they're the absolute cornerstone of your, of your organization, the fabric of what makes everything else come together. And if you're using your your people in the right way, great things can happen. And obviously, wonderful things are happening at Smile Direct Club with you at its helm as as CPO. So thank you so much, Cheryl, for being here today, having this conversation with me. I really appreciate it. What is next for Cheryl DeSantis? (laughs) <laughs> well, my, my book is coming out and, and I'm really thrilled to talk about heart-centered leadership and to try to spread that across corporate America and to, and for people to not to look at it then go that soft, but mm-hmm. then to look at it and go, that's the way we have to lead. It's an imperative. Yeah. And, uh, and then also just continuing to make uh, Smile Direct Club a, a great and phenomenal place to work where you get the best career development for, uh, for how you grow. Beautiful. I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to learning and seeing you thrive and grow. I see a TEDx talk in your future for sure. (laughs) I would love that. (laughs) Yes, I see it. I can see it. So when it happens, I'll be like the first person to comment on it. I saw this and I told you. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Julie. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you for joining me for this episode of HR Sound Off. 
I hope that you found it useful. You can find this and all other episodes of HR Sound Off on all major podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Remember, HR Sound Off is created by HR professionals for HR professionals. If you would like to share your story, then reach out to us and let us know. Make sure to hit the notification bell and subscribe to HR Sound Off on YouTube as well as Podbean. And we'll see you again when we next sound off.